Hello, friends. John Eldridge here. Welcome back to our special Easter week of podcasts. And it's Wednesday already. Monday, Thursday, tomorrow, Good Friday, coming two days away. And we pick up the story of the life of Jesus and searching in particular for what this whole experience was like for him. What was his internal world like during this week? What did he experience with the Gospel of Mark today, which is Wednesday, in chapter 14? Now the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread were only two days away. And the chief priests and the teachers of the age were looking for some sly way to arrest Jesus and kill him. But not during the feast, they said, or the people may riot. While he was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of a man known as Simon the leper, a woman came in with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Now, pause before we get into this extraordinary beauty of this story. So, once again, Jesus is back in Bethany. He kind of goes into Jerusalem and deals with what he finds there each day. But each night, he's been leaving the city and going back to a small village, to a little house, to just be with a a small company of his friends. And what I love about this is that while he's in Bethany, now normally he's staying at Mary. Martha and Lazarus's house. But here it says that he's reclining at the table in the home of a man known as Simon the leper. <laughs> okay, nice people don't do this. This is not where you hang out. If you're trying to establish any kind of credibility in this culture, that you are a holy man or woman, that you are a righteous man or woman, that you are good and earnest Jew. This is not where you go to dinner. I mean, the fellow is known as Simon the leper. You don't get anywhere near these folks. And I just love it that right here in the middle of the most dramatic week in the history of the world, where we find Jesus is reclining (laughs) at the table in the home of a leper. And his friends are there with him. There's just something so unpretentious, something so real, so humble and inviting. This is the true king of Israel. Can I remind you? This is the true king of Jerusalem. And he's hanging out a couple of miles outside of town in a little village with some close friends at the the house of the guy with AIDS, you know, equivalently in their culture, you know, kind of the stigma and the kind of the scandal that would be associated with that. And there's something so incredibly beautiful about this. I also want to point out about the internal world of Jesus. Do you see him preparing his heart each day, each night for what's coming? He leaves the chaos. He leaves the spotlight the tension, the drama, the conflict, even the lost, even those that in the large crowds that he's preaching to, he leaves even the lost and he gets away. And you see him preparing himself for what is to come and here reclining at the table. It's just this beautiful moment of humanity and 
allowing himself rest. And then now this scene of him allowing himself to be loved remarkably. And so it says, it's Mary of Bethany who does this. She breaks the jar and pours the perfume on his head. And then Judas, and then he kind of gets some of the other guys upset. And they say, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor, which is a lie because we know that Judas kept the money bag and stole from it. And it says that they rebuked Mary harshly. And then Jesus says, leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, and you can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare me for my burial. I tell you the truth, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. And again, if you'll allow me to read a bit from Beautiful Outlaw, the vast richness of this man is enthralling. When I first became a Christian more than 32 years ago, the little church group I found myself in sang a worship song that went, beautiful, beautiful, Jesus is beautiful. And I joined in wholeheartedly, sensing it was true, but not quite certain what it meant, really. Were they saying that Jesus is good-looking? But now I understand. To say that Jesus is perfect, as the defenders of his glory do, isn't the right choice of words. A stainless steel ball is perfect. Cinderella's glass slipper was perfect. A haiku is perfect. Perfect makes me think of Barbie, a Grecian urn, a math equation. Words are important. Words shape our perceptions. When they define they actually can also distort. There's a far better way to describe this man whose face is the most human face of all. Jesus is beautiful. His ability to live with all these qualities we've seen in such a way that no one quality dominates, as is so often the case in our personalities, eclipsing the richness of the others, to live in such a way that there's always something of an element of surprise, and yet, however he acts, it turns out to be exactly what was needed in the moment. Oh yes, his brilliance shines through, but never blinding, never overbearing. He's not glistening white marble. He is the playfulness of creation, scandal and utter goodness, the generosity of the ocean and the ferocity of a thunderstorm. He is cunning as a snake and gentle as a whisper, the gladness of sunshine and the humility of a 30-mile walk by foot on a dirt road, reclining at a meal, laughing with friends, and then going to the cross. This is what we mean when we say that Jesus is beautiful. But most of all, it's in the way he loves in all these stories. Every encounter, we have watched love in action. Love as strong as death, a blood, sweat, and tears love, not a get well card. You learn a great deal about the true nature of a person. You learn a great deal about the internal world of Jesus 
by both why they love and how they love, but also in what they love. And so here you have this story of while Jesus is in Bethany at the home of a man known as Simon the leper, Mary comes in with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume. Literally, it's her savings. It's a year's worth of wages. It's her life savings. And she pours it on his head. And the disciples are upset. And Jesus says, she has done a beautiful thing. She has done a beautiful thing indeed. But it takes a beautiful heart to recognize the beauty in a scandalous act and to love it as he does. This is why we say that Jesus is beautiful. Jesus is in Bethany preparing his heart for what is to come. He's catching his breath. He's allowing himself rest and joy and laughter around the table. He's allowing himself friendship. And then this moment where Mary ministers to his heart. And you can see that he deeply appreciates it. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that just stunning about Jesus? It's not just some super spiritual act of worship. It's not just some super prophetic thing. Don't let the religious creep in there and and make it weird. You know, this is an incredibly loving thing that she does, and it ministers deeply to him. And you can see he is touched by it deeply. Like it, it really, really helps him. It gives him a kind of love and grace and strength. And he loves it so much that he says, wherever the gospel is told, I want this story told. In some regards, reminding us what he's after. He's after our love. He's after our hearts. He's after this kind of intimacy and, and pouring out to him. It's a stunning thing to think, reflecting on Wednesday of Easter week, even still now, 2,000 years later, Jesus still loves this. He still loves the little acts of love and friendship and outpouring and, yes, of course, worship that we do. They still minister to his heart. He's still the same man with longings and a love for friendship and connection. And so here you have on Wednesday, Mary preparing Jesus, yes, by all means, for his upcoming burial, but also simply preparing his heart for everything he's about to endure. I'm John Eldridge, and you've been listening to the Ransomed Heart Podcast. Podcast. 